This is Fintech Cappuccino, your Saturday morning podcast with a pinch of espresso on the why and how of Fintech. The show is hosted by Brian van Wachem, CEO of RedSnap, and I'm Connie Dorstein, founding partner of Bankify. Hey, Connie. Hey, Brian. Um, Brian, our next Fintech Cappuccino. Shall we uh, try to cover something around crypto? Because that's really, really hot right now. And um, I was thinking somebody who really is standing with his feet in the mud and his money on the game. There's so much talk. Okay, sure. But um, what I would like is a smart person who actually can explain in plain language the wider picture. <laughs> and, and of course, also as well as this, what this stuff means for our lives in fintech and financial services. And yeah, uh, because myself, I have severe attacks of, uh, of FOMO actually uh, when I read the newspaper on cryptos, etc. So yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, no worries, Brian. We all suffer from FOMO when it comes to investing. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if one of the partners of Maven Eleven uh, can join. They're in Amsterdam and in and in the US, but you know they're, they're really down to earth and, and and passionate. So I think it will be fun. Go for it. Go for it. Speak to you. Soon. All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Welcome, Joost. Why did you choose this music? Well, this is actually a number that uh, on a Saturday morning, for me the Saturday morning is all about the kids and going to sports, especially soccer. I have a daughter who's also playing soccer and you know, in preparing the match, this is the game they play or well, at least sing uh, in the car or at home. So uh, that makes my Absolutely. Saturday morning. And, and you joyfully join in. So that is what you normally do on a, on a, on a Saturday morning. And what um, sort of news or what, things caught your eye this week? Well, uh, obviously, you know, Bitcoin rising uh, all-time high again, uh, a yeah. bit, bit more off-topic to- maybe. Um, although, you know, it's hard to uh, to come up with news other than, than Corona or COVID-related. Uh, one thing I learned this week, and it, it it's, uh, you know, it strikes my mind, is that in, uh, I was talking to somebody in Dubai, and, you know, in this country, they have ha- already have uh, Vaccine almost fifty percent of the of the population, and you know if you're looking to our, in our country or other countries, I think that's a big difference. So it boggles my mind how come that you know this is such a big you know it's it, it's so different across the across the globe, and uh, I guess it's also related to money and having access to uh, to certain. Uh, yeah, and probably also collaboration. Eh? The Dutch are very strong in collaboration, but it's not always a good tool in uh, emergency situations. Let's and say. talking, let's say. and talking, and not doing. <laughs> yeah, yes. I can't explain it, but it, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not into the the domain. But yeah. it, you know, it just strikes me that it's, uh, it's sure. so different. Absolutely. Let's hope and pray. Well. As an early investor in Bitcoin, Ethereum and multiple other early stage ventures, Joost co-founded Maven 11 in 2015 to build one of the first registered European venture capital firms in the blockchain space out of Amsterdam and San Francisco. As an early angel investor, Joost built a portfolio of blockchain projects and realized a 13 times multiple before launching Maven 11 Fund 1. 
Today, in a most uncertain and exciting market, he and his partners are raising money for fun too. Prior to Maven 11, Joost was the founder of an innovative telecom startup, Bleep, successfully sold in 2015. That was his awarded startup of the year by the next web in 2013. Joost holds a master's in business administration at Erasmus University Rotterdam and, more importantly, is connected to the blockchain incubator at Yes Delft University. Welcome, Joost. Joost, another time. Welcome. So let's dive in immediately. So we may live in exciting times at Shakespeare. That much is true, but crypto is the hot topic. For the listeners, by the time of this recording, the Bitcoin soared to a record high of $52,000, coming from 30K in just one month. And Ethereum has a record of 2000 coming from $1,300. So Tesla also just revealed a 1.5 billion stake in Bitcoin, and recently MasterCard and BNY Mellon started offering crypto-related services. Even JP Morgan and Citibank now predict a massive price increase of Bitcoin over the next years. So how do you as an insider frame the current market sentiment? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of things happening uh, in our industry for, for sure. And I think, you know, you have to differ between Bitcoin and, and, and uh, such a thing like Ethereum or blockchain technology uh, in, in general. But if you zoom into Bitcoin, I think the the rise of Bitcoin now and the adoption by these kind of companies and, uh, and institutions. Uh, I think it's related to the decrease in confidence in the current financial system in the monetary policies that are across the globe. Um, so, you know, companies like, like uh, Tesla, but there are more companies already uh, six months ago that decided to transfer a part of their balance sheet into, into uh, Bitcoin because they have more trust that, you know, Bitcoin is, is a better store of value than, you know, keeping it in the, in the US dollar or at least for a part of their balance sheet. So uh, I think, you know, that says it all. Um, other financial institutions are developing other, uh, services for basically their clients to hold Bitcoin or trade Bitcoin or uh, or other, other digital assets. So there, there was one, one nice quote I learned the other day. Somebody said, you know, looking back four years uh, ago, you know, basically Wall Street was, uh, well, uh, excuse my words, puking on Bitcoin. No, they were ignoring it. And, you know, it was, a, and today they're embracing it. And I think, you know, that, that's, that's indeed the case. They're embracing it. Uh, but why now? Why now? Is there, is there something happened in particular or yeah but that, that all relates to the the decrease in confidence on the on the current monetary uh, monetary policy and monetary system so the, the confidence in the dollar and the euro and the underlying systems but we'll come to that a bit later yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but that that I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a broader topic than just bitcoin now bitcoin is just one example yeah. of what you can do with blockchain yeah now we are going to talk about that uh, more but because i'm also thinking of our listeners because the head the crypto horse is now bolted and i'm still at the stable door and many other people with us. So let's take a step back. Joost, you obviously saw something in blockchain years ago, because that is important, when it was truly the religious zealots on the inside who were looking at it. And people, I remember at the time, uh, you know, people said to me, well, blockchain is a terrific uh, technology looking for a problem. But what did you see? What made you jump from the traditional markets, as you did, huh, uh, to blockchain and take a risk in also doing it on your own? And of course, with a few partners, but it's quite a jump. So what was it for you that, that triggered it all? Yeah, so uh, I've always been working in technology-driven environments. So I, I worked uh, well, significant uh, years in telecom industry. 
Um, and uh, so, so, and I truly believe, you know, these are the ages of the uh, the technology revolution. You know, there are multiple technologies coming together now, and and just making sure that that's an important point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's happening now. So uh, I'm not a technical guy from origin, but you know, figuring out what technology can do for society or business models—that's something that really intrigues me. And uh, Um, so one day I stumbled literally upon uh, on blockchain. I think it was it was brought to me by my partner, one of my partners uh, in uh, in my previous company, uh, and I just start researching it, reading papers, stuff like that. And you know, they, we always say you know you dive into the rabbit hole and start discovering more and more about the technology and what it can mean. And uh, if you if you compare it, for example, to what happened with internet technology. Uh, internet technology eventually le- led to removing all the friction from communicating across the globe. You know, today we can communicate. I'm, I'm having calls every day with people on other continents and, and sharing information and, 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 and giving presentations. Uh, 30 years ago, this was compl- completely different. You know, sending in a message to someone in India, for example, was, was quite hard. And today it's still very easy. So all the friction has removed from uh, communi- communicating across the globe. And what blockchain will bring to us is removing all the friction from the financial system. Yeah. And this is what triggered me because, you know, there is so much friction yet in the in the current global financial infrastructure. Um, you know, that goes from payments across the globe. The same example, if you want to pay some money in India today, it still takes, you know, a couple of days and costs significant uh, uh, money. Um The same applies to uh, trading stocks. You know, it still takes three days to settle uh, uh, to settle uh, uh, trading stocks. But uh, even on a broader perspective, you know, uh, growing to a global inclusive financial system—that's what blockchain will bring. A lot know? of money. A yeah. lot of people are still, you know, being excluded from the financial system. They just don't have access. Uh, and this will eventually be, be be changed by blockchain. And Bitcoin again was the first example. So you know if. Back then, when I dove into uh, uh, the blockchain, it was mainly Bitcoin, and you learned more about the peer-to-peer system. But then, you know, later on, I learned uh, that it will eventually lead what we call the the, the web, uh, the the Internet of Value. You know, where value transfer is is embedded in. Uh, basically, what we consider today as internet. So. Yeah, and and on that point, uh, Joost, you you used the word already. Had a value web. I think we're also at a point that it is, even even if you're cynical, you cannot close your eyes to what's happening in the world. And we do see that you know there are. Luckily, we're returning to the idea that there are more values in the world than just money. Um, and you talked about uh, inclusion. I would like to just have a, a short, you know, view from you on the wider impact of blockchain because we can see it as a financial services play, and I totally agree with you. You know, being a payment girl, that you know, friction out of the payment chain is essential for financial inclusion. It really is. Um, but another one that is big, I think, in all of this is, for instance, uh, identity. Yeah, identity really excludes people from taking part in, in the financial infrastructure. Do you think that I'm too uh, highbrow if I say, well, blockchain is an, an inevitable, or blockchain is a building block for an in- inevitable change? Is that too highbrow? Um, don't know if it's too highbrow, but I, I, I do agree. You know, it's uh, It starts with financial uh, services, but... What blockchain will 
offer is that everything you, uh, um, that you consider an asset today or something of value today, you can reorganize using blockchain technology. So that's money, that's that's uh, every financial instrument. But if you zoom into other topics like identity or data ownership or uh, data integrity, you know, that these are all topics where you just are looking for some kind of trust uh, and currently you trust uh, institutions that, o- that own your identity, own your data or... Yeah. Uh, make sure that data is is uh, has a high level of integrity, and with blockchain, it's it's you know you can um, organize this differently. So your identity registered on a blockchain, it makes your identity, it makes your reputation. You control it. Uh, if information is stored, you know, for example, the origin of products or uh, whatsoever is 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 registered on the blockchain, you just can trust that the information is uh, is the truth you know it's it's correct instead of having to trust an organization where, where the information might be manipulated or something so it goes far beyond just payments or financial services or whatsoever but um I'm, i must say you know that that's something that will take probably over a decade you know to eventually live up to the promise so that's where the eyebrow uh, comes from and today it's mainly f- happening in, in financial services and for the technology to upgrade and develop eh? because the first technology was relatively slow and and it still is today <laughs> you know if you look at, at the no, current no. open source blockchain platform, platforms they're, they're, they're still quite slow hey Joost um, you mentioned uh, the internet and uh, people are talking about uh, web 3.0 nowadays so just for the listeners but also for me to learn uh, can you a little bit explain why blockchain is such a vital well let's call it ingredient uh, for web 3.0 yeah so what we call uh, web 3.0 is um, growing to a more uh, user-centric version of the web uh, where users are more uh, have a higher level of sovereignty uh, compared to the internet today. So today, you know, if you use internet, <laughs> you probably use services of some big corporations. And if if it's uh, yeah, if it's a free service, <laughs> yeah, if it's a free service, you know, you, you probably are the product. You know, that's what they say. So um, you don't, as as a user, you don't have really control on what's happening with your uh, with your data. And um, uh, and Web 3.0 is more giving people more control in uh, while, while using the internet. So again, you know, this goes further than just financial financial services. It's, it's also about this kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, because it's now moving from, from the edge to, uh, to the mainstream, more or less. Does this also have to do where we started with? Like, you know, you see, oh, everything is soaring in terms of pricing, but is it also the adoption of the underlying technology maybe a driver for the both? Like people are adopting it because of the price. Uh, they start to get interested, but also start to get into topics like Web 3.0, what does it mean for me, etc. Yeah, you think there's a relation? I think today people, a lot of people are not thinking about Web 3.0 because that's still, well, I would say quite some time further down the road. What's happening today is that people are attracted by um, what's happening with prices. You know, that's what all people are talking about. Um, and uh, if, if you look at the development of the underlying technology in relation, so so you you should look at this as as the as the Gartner hype cycle, right? You know, there's this moment in time where everybody believes that a technology will change the world. We've had that in 2017, right? With the with the surge in uh, in, in cryptos and ICOs and even you know uh, listed companies changing their name to blockchain uh, yeah. just to get whatsoever. <laughs> 
well, we all came back to earth uh, from that point, I, uh, I would say. Um, but the underlying technology, the underlying ecosystem has been developed further. You know, we are four years down the road from that point, uh, more or less. Um, the platform has developed more. There's, there, is, there are more uh, developers than ever working on open source blockchain platform and, and also on applications that are built on, based, uh, on top of open source blockchains. Um, and now that's coming again, you know, on, yeah. on the radar of a lot of people. Um, also take into account that, you know, the, um, the governments or the, uh, the, the broader, you know, uh, financial uh, uh, ecosystem has been embracing uh, technology and re regulators have been working on, you know, uh, regulatory frameworks for, for digital assets and digital and tokens and cryptos and stuff like that. That makes it, you know, that we're four years down the road. Uh, the ecosystem is maturing and it's being institutionalized now. Uh, well, all those ingredients, uh, again, with, you know, this natural cycle of Bitcoin coming into a bull market again, I think that sparked the, uh, the interest of a lot of people now. And yeah. that's why you see a lot of people. But would you say we're already at the point, for, because for me, and uh, always sort of internet and the use of internet technology and thinking really exploded when we had the browser. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you say that we're already at the point where um, blockchain is getting its browser, so we get more massive adoption? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very interesting question. So over the past, uh, you know, uh, four to five years, what has mainly been built is what we call infrastructure. So the, the, the protocol layers of this more digital economy. The rails and the roads, yeah. Exactly. And in that phase, it's really hard to imagine, you know, what can you do with this technology? You, you just mentioned it, you know, it's, it's a solution looking for looking a problem. For problem. <laughs> uh, and we always, uh, sometimes we use the analogy of, of building a, a um, of constructing a building. You know, it starts with digging a hole and putting the foundational layers in there. Yeah. And only when the top layers are being built and people say, oh, this is how it's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, that has been happening in our industry. So often I had to explain to people, you know, this is, you know, imagine that this could happen. But today it's happening and not in every domain. So... Um, but the domain, for example, where it's happening now is what we call decentralized finance, where financial services, financial contracts are being built on uh, on top of blockchain technology. And, and they're, you know, it, that's all about redefining capital and financial markets. And it's growing ex at an extremely fast pace. Yeah. And this is one example of where uh, blockchain is showing its value and, uh, and showing what you can do for it. So we actually, we have use cases now what we have you know, been talking about uh, uh, over, the, over the past five years, that this could happen and now it's happening. So not sure if it's the browser, but at least you know, we have examples of services that are, yeah. uh, uh, that are actually being used. Yeah, and that now you know, I'd really sort of, again, um, to frame it correctly, um, we now have a better understanding, thanks to you, of where as word, sort of we sit timing-wise. I want to go back to one of our um, former podcast um, guest during Good Company, Chris Skinner, and he wrote a blog this week and he said, you know, it's really interesting because we know about the three camps and we have the religious on the left and we have, you know, the people who are always against everything and cynical on the right. Very little you can do for them. They're stuck in their own silo. But there's a huge middle group and that group is widening who say, well, you know, we actually, yeah, maybe I, maybe I trust a Bitcoin as much as a dollar if we know how we sort of, you know, how un totally unstable and unfundamental that whole system is. 
how would you sort of widen that group or give them more, a better sense of um, confidence? So is there anything you want to say to the curious, but not always so very brave? <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, you know, never, never stop learning and always stay curious, especially, you know, well, I just yeah. mentioned the technology, techno technological revolution, you know, uh, you have to adapt to what's happening. So that's, I would say, always stay curious in what's happening around you. But um, when we start explaining um, what's happening in our ecosystem, I would say don't try to understand how blockchain works. Because, you know, you don't also don't know how TCP IP works or the, the internet protocols. You just, you, you know, start thinking about what it could mean to your business or to the society or to the industry. You know, that's, I think that's, and that's where it becomes much more easier and fun to start thinking about it. You know, if you dive into the, uh, in, into consensus uh, theories and uh, gaming theories and cryptography, it's, uh, it's becoming hard. So it's interesting indeed and, you know, uh, you can dive into it, but especially the part on the impact. Saturday evening huh, at yeah. uh, <laughs> Reed. Yes, <Yeah>. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, well, uh, that, that will be my, my suggestion to yeah. those guys. You know, start thinking about that impact on, on your current business model. Yeah, but I'm going to jump uh, into the other camp, uh, which you mentioned, right? The critics. For, for, for a while. Ah, so, yeah, so, so yeah. it's, it's, it comes uh, quite I'm naturally. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they say, they be, say, right? Be critical. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's Saturday morning, yeah? So, uh, it's yeah, be yourself, right? No, but it's... A, oh, thank you. No, 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 I, I will jump in. It's a very hard role for me. But uh, they say that it's the government's duty to protect people, right? And speculators dive on anything that has potential without understanding uh, the underlying pr pricing or market dynamics, basically, because they don't, under as you said, you know, don't try to understand the underlying. But, I mean, if you do not understand what you're investing in, that's dangerous, right? So you need to be, uh, somebody needs to protect you for that. So, so first question is, what's your take on the government or regulatory role? On crypto, well, in crypto, in um, in general, I think it's really important that regulators regulators start uh, embracing the technology and uh, giving it a place in the regulatory frameworks. And well, I already said, you know, that's that's critical for mass adoption for you for simple users, consumers, but also for um, uh, companies. I would say uh, so. That's a good thing. The strength about this technology is that it gives you, as an individual, the opportunity to participate. You know, to be included in uh, in well in the overall global financial system, but at at these stages in just buying and uh, trading uh, digital assets or cryptos. That's very exciting, but it's also very dangerous because these markets are not regulated yet. So. Uh, you should make sure that you know what you're doing uh, and uh, also, you know, accept that you probably don't have all the information uh, about what you buy. Uh, so don't take too much risks. And okay. Um, As a non-expert, huh? um, I'm also investing in, uh, in crypto, but I'm not doing it uh, with a fund. Um, so you're running a fund. So how do you view your duty of care? Um, you no, know, I think in, I have to explain this in two ways. One is that we always try to explain to our investors how we see the world. We take them along with our vision. We invest in time um, that they, uh, well, at least, you know, try to understand what we're doing. They probably cannot, you know, 
uh, repeat it, but they, uh, they, uh, well, they learn a lot about what we're doing. So, th- so that's one. And secondly, um, we, we don't, as a fund, we don't speculate. You know, we invest from a f- fundamental uh, conviction in the projects and the companies that we believe in. Um, that's, that's, that's one. And within, you know, our investment thesis, we also follow a, a vision on how we think blockchain technology will evolve over time, you know. So we don't invest in things that might happen in, 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 in 20 years from now. No, it should be happening today or in the near future. Uh, so so that, 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 that's our broader vision. And then if you look at the execution of our organization, uh, we have uh, people continuously searching across the globe, connected to other other venture capital firms about where uh, you know interesting projects are being developed or interesting founders are. Uh, and on the other hand, you know we have people more on the quantitative side, continuously analyzing what's happening on public blockchains and if the technology is being developed uh, properly. So. Back to your question, how do we take care? Uh, we don't speculate. We, we, we take very calculated risks in very specific domains what we think, you know, is the right way to invest in this, uh, in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, you know, as we're just sitting here, and I'm, I sometimes have this sort of more philosophical view on, on all of it. And one question I really wanted to get your view on. I understand the Chris Skinners who say, um, I don't believe in the old system anymore. It is morally corrupt and broken. I I actually agree with him. But the new system could also be an opportunity for Wild West. So how do I bring the two together? I hear that you say there is a place for regulation, there is a place for us on the regulatory framework. But then I say, hmm, if I don't believe in central command and control anymore, I go decentralized, the trust is carried by the system. But if we regulate that, don't we then dilute the core principles that's a, of that's blockchain a dilemma. and the web to a degree that it becomes powerless again? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, this is a, a philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me another cup. <laughs> no, it, it's a good question. I think it's, it's uh, very philosophical. Um, now, of course, on one hand, you have the anarchists who just say we need to have a free state and uh, everybody should do what they what they can do. I think, you know, uh, well, most of the people would have, you know, like to trust uh, a, a certain system. And um, going back to, to this regulation perspective, you know, when I'm interacting with people, I just want to make sure that the other side is uh, bona fide, what they say, you know, that there is no no criminals involved whatsoever. So you need a kind of system that that keeps the bad, bad actors out, right? That's what you need. Yeah. Um, currently, you have the system where we have the regulators, you know, appointing financial institutions that they have to keep the bad actors out, which, you know, not always uh, is the case because it's just hard to, to get... And we need to develop a system also in this more uh, decentralized ecosystem uh, where financial traffic is taking place. Uh, and you can work with this with, for example, uh, online of, or, or uh, reputation uh, of, of people or companies that you're interacting with. So there are ways to get out of this um, uh, without having a regulator, you know. Uh, Command control top yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you can use this technology to decentralize and to give more sovereignty to to the people. You can also use it the other way around, you know, in getting more control on people. For example, this is how China is using it or implementing the technology today. You know, just making sure that they get more information about 
from their from their people or from yeah. their, their community. So um, interesting how ultimately it's always the, still at the human and how you deploy stuff, you know, on how it's going to work and work for you. But no, I but think, yeah, I think one of the mo most beautiful examples for me still today is is this fantastic lady in um, the UK from Everledger who worked in the diamond trade and she was not a technologist at all, but she wanted, she worked in the diamond trade, she loved her product and she was appalled by the whole blood diamonds and the stain on her industry. And so she came up with a company, yes. Everledger, who are sort of just tracing the, the origin of diamonds. And I think it's a beautiful, pragmatic example of what it can do. Yeah. Tony Chocoloni also yeah. did. Yeah. It is. That, that ah. went the wrong way. When he started talking to Kaibo, yeah. <laughs> hey, but but I, have, um, I, have, no. uh, I have a selfish question. And uh, you also uh, invest in, uh, in, uh, in crypto, uh, Connie, if I'm, yeah. uh, if I'm well informed. So, um, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners also, uh, because I'm very curious to understand how you pick your winners. Right. So, uh, uh, what type of companies or assets do you invest in, and what is it for you? For, uh, yes, let's look at this. Or when is the moment that you say this is off the table? Yeah, investor alert! Joost is not giving advice right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, Don't do this at home. And I'm not giving names, you know, because that's uh, that's yeah. that's difficult. So, how we approach our investing is that we one it should fit our one of our themes. Yeah. So um, that's one thing. And then within these themes, we are you know, uh, 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 gathering deal flow, connecting to, to founders, um, and then just doing a regular, I would say, due diligence that every venture capital firm does, you know. So we look at the team, we look at the technology, we look at the uh, the broader ecosystem and whatsoever. Uh, and then we finally decide if we want to go and, and, and invest in this venture or company. Uh, and we even do it on um, existing digital assets or crypto that are out there. So we... Uh, and uh, you already mentioned the big names out there, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but there is a whole range of, of other projects out there, yeah. too much to digest almost. Um, uh, and and we, you know, we talk to the teams over there and just to make sure that what they're building is software that will be used eventually. And then once we invested, uh, we keep tracking them, following them, uh, you know, having our regular calls with, uh, with the team behind it. Um, and and then hopefully you know that's how uh, VC works that, that that it becomes a home run, and some and sometimes you know the the team you know does diverge from the the planned execution you know so the idea was great but it always happens in the execution phase right that's where things are made or broken, uh, so when when we don't agree anymore on the execution plan we we might decide you know to uh, uh, to sell parts of our uh, position and and. and yeah, to, to well, to abandon ship, just you know, to sell our position or sell, uh, leave the company, uh, or in case you know a company really becomes very valuable, we might decide to sell pieces of it. So that's hey, yes, uh, uh, we're, we're nearing the end, and you've got to head off to the the, the soccer field. So let's let's stick with your kids for a bit. They're still sort of uh, young. Let's say seven, ten years time, they're going to university. I always love the a day in the life of game. So paint me. A day in the life of your kids in seven or ten years' time, they're going to university and blockchain's got its browser and it's all around us. What will their Saturday look like? Well, hopefully they still go out to uh, go out to sport. Um, what will it mean for... Um, so, 
most probably they will be using services uh, that are much easier to use and have a lot more uh, less friction in there. Uh, they will have their uh, they have more control on their data and uh, identity while using the web and uh, using yeah. certain services. So will they collect? Will they collect study points at universities around the world? Or I mean, just go wild for a bit. Yeah, I know it's no, hard. No, well, maybe 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 it's not about my kids. Because my kids are, I think the, the interesting case are not my kids. I think the, the interesting case are the kids from yeah. a farmer in South uh, South America, for example. Yeah. Those kids will be will have access to a global financial infrastructure. Will be able to put a digital land title that their father was owning into a liquidity pool, uh, lending out, lending back, borrowing money, able to buy a machine uh, to you know. Uh, Increase the efficiency of their of their country. I think that's where the biggest gain uh, of the country. Not, not well, my kids, you know, they, they already have a good life. The, the total inclusion for of, uh, access to the financial Perfect. system. Yeah, I think that's 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 where the biggest change is. Well, Joost, that was uh, a wonderfully inspiring half hour. Don't you agree, Brian? Absolutely. Yeah, it was really fun. And what really gives me so much energy, your your last points about these kids all over the world, and it's very exciting that. We now truly are working on a global phenomenon that really offers access for all. And it is just very clearly possible. So let's embrace kids, adults, everybody. Um, and include and them. Very inclusive. Thank you, Joost. Have a wonderful day out on the field. The sun is shining. Thank you for having me. For people want to lecture themselves and others on anything crypto, blockchain and web 3.0, I suggest you follow Joost and Maven11 closely and see where he ends up next. On Twitter, on LinkedIn or at maven11.com. And curious which music weekend favorites Joost brought with him outside of the kids' sports games? Check out www.redsnapfintechcappuccino slash Joost van der Plas. Joost, thank you for joining us here at the Virtual Kitchen Table in the Vintech Cappuccino podcast. Thank you, Joost. And thank you for listening to Vintech Cappuccino. Don't want to miss another cup? Subscribe to our podcast via Spotify, iTunes, or where you like to listen to your podcast. And please give us a like or a review so many more Fintech Cappuccino lovers can find us. Please join us again on Saturday morning at 9. We'll have the coffee ready just the way you like it. Have a good weekend. Thank you so very, very much, Joost. Keep a distance and stay close.